Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. I would like to say that I am really honored to get to carry a message today. I hold this spot on Sundays in really high regard. Um, I have had my mind blown so many times from the ministry of our Sunday gathering right here on this, on this spot. And so thanks for letting me um, participate and, uh, and, and, and carry a word that's on my heart um, as we're talking about this resilient faith uh, message. And so that's a great word, resilient. It probably elicits a lot of images in your mind, maybe, um, Mine, the first image that comes to mind when, when the word resilience is mentioned, um, this is really super spiritual, is a duck and water being poured on a duck, and the, wa- and the duck's feathers don't get wet. That's where the phrase, oh, no, like water off a duck's back. Uh, we were in Grapevine, a little family reunion this past weekend, and I have this nephew, and every time he goes under the water, he comes out and his hair is as dry as it was when he went under the water. It's like, what? break in science is happening right now with your head when you go under the water and it comes up and it's like you didn't just go under the water. What, what is your hair made of? Duck feathers? Thank you. And so anyway, it's resilient. It doesn't get wet. It, it, it can have water hit it and, and still come out dry. And so that's what I think of when I think of the word resilience. Maybe you have a, a, an image in your mind. So when we're talking about faith being resilient, then it is a bit of, a, 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 of an invitation and something that excites in your heart that your faith could be that because we've all experienced this journey and our faith having some bombardment hit it. And maybe you say, oh man, my faith has been nothing like resilience. Or maybe you've tapped into a little bit of resilience, but the invitation on the table today from God is that we can be people who actually live in this resilient faith. In other words, all of the the blasts that come our way, any trouble that may find us, does not send us into uh, oblivion like maybe normal would be because our faith is anchored and rooted. And so that's the aim. That's what we're after. We've we've said that this is a possibility, then we want to go after this. And uh, the other morning, I was trying to have a meeting with a guy. We had texted back and forth, and he had some news, and he said, hey, you know, um, actually, I had found out, and I wanted to, you know, kind of talk to him, and so we tried to get a meeting together, and it was the most difficult meeting to set up just because uh, as soon as we'd get something on the calendar, um, I'd get a text from Natalie or something, hey, we have this, and it's like, oh, that's not going to work, so we'd send it back, and then, and then he'd say, oh, that's not going to work for me, and like five days of back and forth went on, and it's like, is this even, is, is it worth it? I mean, maybe we just throw in the towel right now and if we happen to cross paths at some point, we can talk about something. But I had faith in this guy that if we did pin something down, he would be there and it would be worth our while. And so we didn't throw in the towel. We decided to go ahead and find a way, even though it took five days to get a simple coffee date. And so I was just thinking, going into this talk this morning, that there are some of us in the house today that believe God has called you to live a certain way and to walk a certain path, 
and you have high confidence in God because you have a track record of seeing him show up when he said he would show up and be where he said he would be when he said that he would be there. And some of us have experienced that. And you're sure that both in the journey and at the end of the journey that he's going to be there. And so you're committed your life to resilient faith. Others of us maybe are just starting out and saying, oh, that's a possibility. We can live there. And the truth is that there's a There's quite a bit of fuel in the Bible to help us, to tell us that this is a real possibility. It's not a pipe dream to be people who have faith that doesn't waver. And if you're going to talk about faith in church, if you've been around church any length of time, then you know where you go to get a message on faith is Hebrews 11, because it's the hall of faith. You know, the world has a hall of fames. The sports world has a hall of fame. The the music world has a hall of fame. And so, you know, the church doesn't want to be left out. And so we've got a hall of faith and we can read about it. And Hebrews 11, some some people. So uh, verse one, it starts in chapter 11, says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, if you find a sure and a certain in a person, that's pretty significant. That's, that's pretty magnificent that a person can live in sure and certain in the climate that we live in today because something's happened to their belief system, apparently, that they are sure and that they are certain. And the world reads this verse and this definition of faith and thinks that, oh, those are just religious people Uh, and, and, And they live out of touch with reality. And really what faith is, is just taking a leap in the dark. But the people of God understand that there is not a person in this gathering this morning that God is saying, hey, take take a leap of faith in the dark. That's not what he's asking us to do. He's actually asking us to step into a promise that he's given us. That's not a leap in the dark. That couldn't be more sure and certain. If the God of all things has promised you something, there's no darkness around that. It's saying, well, my word, how could I do anything else? I'm going to go after what you've promised then. That's a a step of, 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 of moving into light, not darkness. And when we read this chapter in this about faith in chapter 11, we're really jumping into an already established story that's happening here. So if we were to, we won't read it now, but if we were to go back and read from the beginning of, of Hebrews, it's the story of God and, and how he sent the God-man Jesus into the world, created everything through him. And then when man obliterated, God brought a rescue mission and made all things right in a way for um, people to, to sit underneath that. Jesus sits at the right hand, capital M, majesty of God. And so we're already in the story when the hall of faith is introduced here and we're being called and invited to join it and to live in it also, well, what is faith? It's simply stepping into a promise that God's given us. So Hebrews 10, we'll pick up in verse 35. It says some really important information. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So remember sure and certain, remember that? That's confidence. That's confidence. So when I'm trying to meet a guy for coffee, rather than saying, oh, it's probably not worth it, or maybe it's not worth the fight, maybe it's not important, no, no, I'm going to be sure and confident that God set this thing up, and so I'm going to go after it. That's more of a lightweight example, perhaps, although it could be a heavyweight example in our life. 
And if I keep going in this life by faith and I have that confidence, then I know the Holy Spirit will show up as I journey the road and do and be exactly what he said he would do and be where he said he would be. And that's confidence. And the, the, the cheerleading from heaven today is that we wouldn't throw away that confidence, that we'd remember it, that we'd live by it, that we'd make decisions based on us being confident in promises that God has given us. And verse 36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So it's not cute language that God has promised you something. It's not just churchy talk. It's not that, um, well, you know, I, I guess God has to do this or something, and there's just general overarching promises for the mass of the production of people. It's, it's intentional and it's personal to you, and you have a promise today. You probably have more than one. And I think God's asking us to take some inventory and to look at and to remember and to call up some promises that he's given, maybe uncover some promises that we haven't even received yet, but he wants to give us. And so this is taking promises to a far greater level. And this is putting promises on a grand scale for your life. This faith leads to really rich reward and purpose. And so verse 37 says, for in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and he won't delay. But in my righteous one will live, my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, in the person who says, I don't know if God really promised it. If he did, I don't know that I'm gonna do anything with it. That would be shrinking back. What God takes pleasure in is the person who says, Where is the promise? There it is. I'm going to step into it. And it says, we're not a shrinking back people. That's not who you are. So don't do that. Don't throw away your confidence. Keep your confidence. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. We belong to those who have faith and are saved. So whatever he's called you to today, what's your kingdom calling? What is the invitation to partner with the Lord? Don't lose confidence in that thing. Keep your confidence up. And then we're given the lenses of the people of faith that have gone before us that we can look through. And these people listed here in, in Hebrews are just ordinary people like you and me. They weren't superstars of the faith. They weren't the who's who of the best. You just saw Top Gun and, and uh, the who's who of the best going to Miramar, California. You're the best. No, these were average people who just said yes to the promises of God. And when you were first exposed to the hall of faith, People in junior high, when you were in church and they first came down, here's the hall of faith, you know, you're, you're learning about uh, Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Rahab. Uh, you know, you're thinking, wow, these people are amazing. And then you get a little bit older and you learn about these people and you realize that there's some really interesting things about the people in the hall of faith. <laughs> Rahab was a prostitute. And there's a prostitute in the hall of faith. In other words, I mean, there's Samson. He largely blew up his life if you know the story of Samson. So it's not the hall of perfection. It's the hall of faith. So you can be somebody who has a track record up to this point that's not so happening and hot, but that doesn't disqualify you. You still, sir, ma'am, are qualified to be in the hall of faith where you sit, where you are today, no matter where you've come from. And the invitation for you to be that is simply to take hold of and step into 
the promises that God has given you. So he's not after perfection. He's actually after somebody who will believe him so he can empower them and be confident in this life. Hebrews 11, 8, so we're back to chapter 11 now. It says, and this is an important phrase, it's by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Now, what if that was the end of the message this morning? He obeyed and went. He was called. He obeyed. He went. The end. Prayer teams come. That's it. God said to do something, so he did it. Well, what else is there? And you might say, well, he did it because he was smarter than the rest of us, or he did it because he had some insider information. Thank you very much. Abraham didn't have any insider information. The rest of the verse says he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And that's why the world would say, well, see, he's just taking a, a step in the dark. He wouldn't take a step in the dark because he had a promise from God to take a step. So is there anyone who doesn't know where you're going this morning? Just a little participation. If you don't for sure know your next step in life, would you just raise your hand up? Hmm. My hand's up too. Thought, thought we were talking to each other here. We're all qualified to be people who have resilient faith if the model of the hall of faith that God gave us is our example of how to do it. Because Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just took a step by faith. Verse nine, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Anybody feel like you're living in a foreign country these days? He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, by the way. For he was looking, I love this, forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. That's the city I want to help build. That's the place I want to aim towards because that's the city where resilient faith is found. I've never been to Dubai before, but I've seen pictures of the world's tallest building that's built on sand, by the way. It could be a sermon for another message, perhaps. <laughs> but there's this guy on social media I've followed because I'll get workouts from him from time to time. So it was a surprise to me when he posted a picture of him flying on an airplane at night in the desert to the city of Dubai. And he just happened to be on the correct side of the plane at night to see the monster city, which is Dubai. It's a big, big city, magnificent in its structures and architecture. And in the desert, it's dark everywhere because the deserts don't have lights. And so he takes some of these pictures and you're just thinking as you're seeing this, oh my word, look at the city he's heading to. Look at the architecture. Look at this place. It's amazing. Don't you just love it if you're on an airplane and you know everything lines up right to where you get to be the one who's like perfectly positioned to see the spectacular sight and you don't have to be looking over the aisle, glaring through somebody else else's window shade that's only open this much. And they're probably thinking you're just staring at them. And they're like trying to, you know, get off of their device to look. Is he staring at me? No, I'm actually not. If you would get off your device and raise your window, if we could just go hashtag shades up, please. Thank you. If you ride on an airplane, because um, we want to look out at the Grand Canyon or if we're flying over the Rocky Mountains, we would love to take a look at that because we don't get this opportunity very often to see it from above. And so if you're watching Netflix on an airplane, 
and you're flying over a site like that, I'm not sure you and I can be friends because I don't get that. It's a thing, by the way. Anyway, off the soapbox. So he's taking this picture of Dubai, and I'm just like, man, I am enamored. I can't stop looking at that. And so then it leads me on a waste of time, frankly, although something's probably brewing in my heart, to look at more architecture of incredible cities. And so when the, the Bible here says that they were looking forward to the city whose architect and builder is God, it's like, man, there are some breathtaking and mind-boggling places in this world that man has built. And if man can build Dubai, what can God build when you don't need to go find an architect to design it and then somebody else to build it. You've got an architect who can design it up and a builder who can build it up in God the same. And he's inviting me to help create that. That's the adventure of my lifetime. And resilient faith brings that about. And so Abraham was having resilient faith be built up in him as he's journeying into stepping into the promise that God was giving him. In verse 11, it says, here it is again. It's by faith. Abraham even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead because <laughs> he's an old guy. I didn't write it came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky Pause break, this speaks my language. The stars, outer space, unpause. And countless as the sand on the seashore. So you remember that, uh, we didn't read it, but in chapter three of this book uh, of faith, it says God made everything out of nothing. And a few verses later, you have to have faith that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In other words, the thing that moves the heart of God is not perfection, it's faith. And that's what this is being built upon telling us. And if you've ever been talking to someone who doesn't believe God exists, they might have more faith than you do, by the way. Maybe you've heard an argument like this, that to believe that there could be um, all of this out of a boil that just happened certainly takes a larger measure of faith to believe than there actually being a designer or a creator. And so you're talking to someone and they're like, yeah, you know, um, just believe the big bang. And you're like, awesome. Uh, how did the big bang bang? <laughs> well, there was just, uh, you know, all this stuff. Okay. Where did the stuff come from? I don't know. Well, that's a pretty big step of faith to weigh your whole life belief system on in that moment. So you're having a marvelous conversation with somebody who doesn't believe that God even exists and I would just encourage anybody who might be in that bucket because there could be some people that we know or maybe some of us who are like, I'm honestly, maybe wouldn't say it out loud in a moment like this and God bless you in your journey where you're at, really. But they might say, I'm just not sure that, you know, given some of the climate and the circumstances of life and world and, and all this, that, that there's a God who's actually, you know, in existence. And so I would just say, and again, uh, pardon me for a minute to, to exercise my passion of outer space, but there is this telescope that just went up at Christmas, this past Christmas, called the James Webb Telescope. And it sits, do you know this? It sits in the Lagrange Point 2 in outer space right now. What in the world is that? And why are you talking about astronomy? You're supposed to be preaching a message. I am. This will change your life, whether you're an astronomy person or not. The Lagrange Point 2, there's five points in outer space. 
that are further out than the earth is from the sun. Well, things that are further out than the earth should rotate around the sun slower. They should take more time. That's why the planets that are further out than earth take longer to actually get around the earth. Hello, because they're further away. It's a greater distance to have to travel. But there's five places out past the earth that when the sun and the earth are lined up perfectly, there's a gravitational pull in these pockets, in these points. They're called Lagrange points because the astronomer in the, I think it was the 1700s, um, discovered these spots. Well, we put a telescope six months ago that has a mirror three times bigger than the Hubble Space Telescope. Maybe you've heard of the Hubble. The Hubble only sits 324 miles above the earth. The James Webb sits a million miles away out there. That means there is no blue hue um, pollution, the earth right there and you're glaring in all the pictures. This telescope is going to look in infrared light and be able to look back in time to the Big Bang moments after it happened, which we know was the moment God spoke the universe into existence when light came flying out of the mouth of God at 186,000 miles a second, the speed that light goes. And you wanna say, I'm just not sure where all this stuff came from. You're about to get a picture. Can you imagine having that picture show up on your device and say, hey, should we post this on Instagram? Take a look at what happened right after minutes when God spoke it. That's how exciting this James Webb uh, opportunity is. I think Canada's behind it. The European Space Agency's behind it. NASA's involved. And I couldn't be more pumped about it because God said to Abraham, everything I've made and all the sands on the shore, I'm giving you a specific promise that if you'll step into it, humanity and the people of God are going to form and things are going to change. And all you got to do is take a step. And I'm like, I'm on for that. What's my promise, God? Where can I take a step into? Don't doubt the promise, Abraham, that I gave you. And all I'm asking you to do is to take a step. So Abraham lives in the Ur of Chaldeans is where he starts when this story begins. And God says, I need you to leave it all, Abraham, and just take this step. So when we follow Abraham's journey, it looks something like this here. And uh, Ur of the Chaldeans here, uh, would be Iraq today. And so uh, he goes and he goes up into Haran, which is Southern Turkey today. And then he goes back down to the promised land and there's the Jordan River and he's gonna cross over into Shechem and, and Bethel and into Jerusalem. And, and then of course, what we don't have up here on the map is, is uh, you know, the plague happens and they have to go to Egypt. And so that's of course why and when Moses eventually comes into the story. But can I tell you, Abraham didn't have this map. He didn't have this to look at when, when God said, hey, leave. He didn't say, well, where are we going? Can, we, can I get a map, please? And okay, up there, that'll take X amount of weeks. We're gonna need X amount of uh, livestock and we're gonna need some team members over this team and an organization here. He didn't have any of that. He just said, hey, take a step. Well, we have his map today and maybe um, you know, you're saying, I don't care about Abraham's map. If you could put my map up on the screen, please, that would be awesome because I'm not sure if I'm heading north or if I'm heading south or if I'm going to make it or if I'm not going to make it. And, and God's saying this, he's saying, I'm not asking you to follow a map. I'm asking you to take a step because if God gave us the next 10 mile map, God wouldn't hear for us for 10 miles. He would say, Hey, I'm going to give you a step. And you would say, okay, then I'm going to go ahead and take hold of your hand 
because I gotta, I'm going to take the step. But after that step, I don't know where I'm going exactly after that. And God says, right, I'm going to give you the next step. And as the process unfolds, resilient faith is going to be birthed inside of you. And that's what God is interested in. He created you for a relationship with himself and not a map, a roadmap, even though sometimes our prayers follow more of that vein than they do, oh God, let me have resilient faith be built in my life through stepping into your promises. It's an amazing story of, uh, of my friends, um, this couple, and they journeyed for a long time to adopt a baby. They actually had two biological girls already, and they really felt like God had given them a promise to adopt. And so they were fostering to adopt, and they had um, the first possibility and thought that this was going to be it. And then at the end, they, they realized how hard the process was, and, and it wasn't it. And the foster baby went back to the, the family that it had come from. And so they tried again, and, and this time they thought it really was going to be the one they were going to get to adopt. And it went even a little longer than the first one, and the hopes got a little higher. And then at the end, it too, the, the little girl this time went back with, no, it was a boy this time. It was a girl the first time, it was a boy the second time. And the little guy went away, and they cried, and their hearts were broken, and it was so sad. And then they tried a third time, and the third time, it finally happened for them. But it was over the course of a long time, and I got to kind of watch from the, from, from the outside in, and they could have thrown the towel in so many times. They could have taken their confidence in what they felt like God had said and thrown it away. But they decided to continue to take steps into the promise because they felt like God had promised them, hey, I'm going to give you a child to adopt in your home. And so they did. And it's, it was just a beautiful story. They didn't have the map. They didn't know how it was going to all work out. They didn't know that, that try number three was going to be the ticket. But they held on and it was. And, and now they're living in the fulfillment of that promise. Once we step out in faith into a promise, then God is the one who provides the ram in the thicket. A lot of times we want to see that there's a ram in the thicket and then we, okay, good. There's a, there's an answer there for sure. So then we'll go ahead and take the step, but that's actually backwards. God says, take the step and then I'm going to provide the ram in the thicket, your provision in the middle of your step taking and the promise is going to unfold. Verse 13, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. These hall of faith characters that we're, that we're learning about, they did not receive the things promised. What? What's the point of taking the step? They didn't receive it. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they were, they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return and go back. But instead they weren't, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They were looking forward. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. And then the end of the chapter, verse 39, it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So in the middle of our stories, there are all kinds of reasons why it seems like the road is taking a turn unplanned. The weather's changing. The path goes a different direction than we thought it would go. We've all been there. We've all experienced it feeling like I was going this way and now that way's a dead end. And where are we going now? You're in good company. But they kept on stepping into the promise of God. Even Samson, who had basically blown his life up at the end of his life, who's in the hall of faith here, is in a Philistine temple. 
and it's about to all end for him. And he says, oh, Jesus, oh, God, is what he says. One more time, could you use me in the original kingdom calling of my life to be glorified in my body, in my strength as he grabs the pillars and he pushes them down and the temple crumbles? He, he finished well. He took another step, even at the end, after all of this trash behind him had happened, he still took a faith, a step of faith into the promise. So what promise has God spoken over you? And are you stepping into it today? Do you even know what promises God has spoken to you? Maybe you know what some promises are, but you don't have any steps. You don't know how to take a step. And I really feel like that's the invitation of the Lord for us this morning in this house is to identify some promises that God are not, not general promises. Some of them might be, but some specific promises that he's made to you. And then how do I step into those? And none of these people in Hebrews got everything they were believing for, but yet they're all in the hall of faith, still living by faith, still looking for that city. And what I want to say today is that they, they didn't know what you know. They haven't seen what you've seen. They haven't experienced what the believer today has experienced. They, were, they didn't know that, they were, um, that there was going to be the God-man Jesus, Emmanuel, coming, and the Magi were going to go bow down before him, and the angels of heaven were going to split the sky and start singing glory to God in the highest, and then that Jesus was going to grow up, and he was going to be everything that humanity needs for a savior and rise from the, the grave and send the Holy Spirit to live inside of the believer. They didn't have that. They didn't know that, but we do. We have that. So you are further advanced than Abraham was. You're further advanced than David was. You're further advanced than Moses was. You today are positioned to step really well into the promises of God because you've got more of the story of God than any of these people that are in the hall of faith even have. That ought to light your jets a little bit this morning, that you've got an advantage, that God has set you up ahead to be successful as the last day saints, as you are helping build the city of God on the planet today and the eternal, the eternal city that's coming. And he's on the move, God is. And there's no reason to throw confidence away. I'll, I'll close with this story before we have the prayer teams come up. But my wife was listening to this podcast the other day, and they told this story about a guy named Jamie Winship. And this just happened recently. Jamie is a uh, policeman, <laughs> essentially, though he's graduated on to high levels of detective work because he figured something out in the police world. And that is that if you ask the Holy Spirit to help you crack the case, you'll have an advantage over any other detective in the world. So much to the tune that the FBI took notice of Jamie and they said, what in the world is your method? And he told them, you're not going to like it. <laughs> so he told them, well, I asked the Holy Spirit, what do we do? And they're like, the holy who? What? <laughs> they actually have sent him over to, uh, to Afghanistan and to some of the places where um, the Islamic forces have been, uh, been heaviest to help identify how are we going to do mode of operations in these places. He told the story of a, of a serious gang problem in a city that had been going for about five years and the FBI had been on the case and there has been no breakthrough and they bring in Jamie and he asked the Holy Spirit what to do and the Holy Spirit said, go to the gang leader and invite him to come home with you for the weekend and live with you. And so he did. And the gang member, the leader did and got saved. And at the end of the weekend, Sunday, when he returned him back to the gang, the dude was saved and everything changed and the city transformed and everyone was taking notice that Maybe we don't like your method. Maybe we don't understand your method, but oh my goodness, your method works. 
And so he has been in all kinds of places and pockets and has this incredible track record of police work that's worked because of his method. Well, he's now transitioned into a ministry called the Identity Method, where he does largely the same thing, calling on the Holy Spirit to give insight into how to have breakthrough in people's lives. And so there was a middle school student at a, at a, at a junior high recently, and this kid fit the profile of a school shooter, and he was a, a dangerous kid, they thought, and he was going to be expelled today. But they thought one more chance, the principal had heard of Jamie and his, his identity method ministry and just said, maybe there's a shot here. He calls Jamie in. Jamie comes into the principal's office and there's the middle school student and he's not talking or looking at anybody. And Jamie sits down and he, he says to him, he asks him a couple questions. He says, um, do you have an identity? Well, first of all, he says, can I put my arm around you? That's probably a good place to start. Love winning the day there. And the kid agrees and he puts his arm around him and he says, do you have an identity that hurts you? And the kid looked at him. He hadn't looked at anybody since the meeting started. He looked at him and he said, um, I have an identity that's invisible. Nobody sees me. Nobody's ever seen me. And now the light bulbs are going off and saying, well, this is why this kid has acted out as much as he's acted out because he's just trying to be seen because his identity is invisibility. And Jamie says, well, if love could talk to you today, what do you wish love would say to you? He said that he's proud of me, that love's proud of me. That's what I wish love would say to me. Jamie said, okay, well, it's your lucky day because I'm not gonna talk to you and the principal's not gonna talk to you. Unconditional love is about to talk to you and, and unconditional love is gonna say something to you. Um, what would love call you? if love could call you something right now. You know what the kid says? Music theory. And they're like, he looks at the principal, Jamie does, he said, did you know this? Music theory? He's like, no, I've never heard, hardly heard the kid speak two words in normal conversation except for when he's throwing a fit and acting up. Music theory. So Jamie calls his friend, who's a musician, and says, would you mentor this kid? And they get him guitar lessons. And he starts to take guitar lessons. He goes home that day and he lives with his grandfather and he tells his grandfather about this new identity of music theory that he has. Well, what do you think his grandfather did who didn't hardly ever talk to him, viewed him as invisible himself, probably maybe where it started. In fact, he's living with his grandfather and not his parents, probably had something to do with it too. God bless grandparents who were able to take in grandkids. The grandfather calls the school and he said, what did you guys do to my kid? today. I don't recognize him. In fact, he comes, the grandfather comes to school the next day with Jamie and says, what in the world happened uh, with, with, the, with the middle school kid? And Jamie's there. And they ex explain to him that love talked to him today. And the grandfather's life was transformed. The grandfather began to call Jamie every two weeks to report. <laughs> Didn't have to do that. He was just so enamored with what had happened that he calls in every two weeks to Jamie. Hey, wanted to give you an update. Wanted to tell you what the, what's going on with the relationship here. He bought him new clothes. He bought his grandson new clothes. Jamie graduated, uh, got through with the ninth grade this past school year, May. That was about a month and a half ago. And he's not a troublemaker anymore. He's a musician and he's walking in his identity. Isn't that amazing? Don't throw your confidence away. God's on the move. And he's inviting you and me to participate in taking steps into promises like the promise of God that was on this middle school kid's life 
to be a contributor of the creation, to build the city of God with music, and it just had to be uncovered. So we're stepping into promises because the promises are everywhere. God's not short on promises. I had a, a vision as we were praying in that back room this morning of the breath of God just breathing in this place this morning. In fact, we were, my, my nephew whose hair doesn't get wet <laughs> under the water, I was sitting, it was that weekend, just last weekend, and sitting there on the coffee, uh, on the back porch drinking coffee, and this little lizard comes by and he sits on the umbrella and I just, it was early in the morning, nobody was out there and I just saw the expanse and contraction of this tiny little insignificance li lizard's body breathing, you can see his rib cage. And God just reminded me of that picture this morning as we were praying. And I felt like God was saying, that's, that's what I'm doing this morning in this room is I'm just breathing. And as I breathe in, I'm breathing in doubt. I'm breathing in the disbelief, the unbelief. I'm breathing in the skepticism. I'm bring, breathing in the shame that otherwise would make you feel disqualified from the promises of God. And then as I breathe out, there's promises of God, like columns hanging down in the room this morning. And I just felt like God was saying, just invite us to take hold of the promises that are for us, the promises that are for you, the promises that have been there, the promises that are fresh, that God's just incited. And so that's why, how I want us to close this morning is to say yes to the promises, identify them, and to step into what God is saying is ours. So I don't know if you've got a phone in your hand. I don't know if you have a piece of paper that you could write on, but I would love it if every single one of us in the room this morning could write down, type in on your notes or however it is you take a note, a promise that you have from God. For a lot of us, it may be right here on the front of our mind, and you may know it. Don't even have to hardly think about it. I've been holding on to this promise. It's a promise I keep close. Others of us, you're like, I've never even heard this language before. I didn't know that there was a promise of God over my life. I've never thought about there could be music theory in my future. I just wanna ask the Holy Spirit right now, to share with you the promise he has for you. So just ask the Lord, write something down. Prayer teams, why don't you go ahead and get in position in place? Because if you're here and you're like, I got nothing. I don't know what the promises of God are over my life. I wanna invite you to come and let somebody just pray that the Holy Spirit would show you what he's promised you. If you got a promise, then step two is to write down what is the step that God is inviting you to take, to step in, to move into that promise. So that would be the second thing that I wanna invite you to write down right now. And again, if you say, I don't know what step to take on this promise I wrote down, then again, I wanna invite you to come forward and just let one of these guys, we may even have some people in the back here in a minute, we're trying to experiment with how to position prayer teams so that we're not getting blasted by music, that we can have some, some good exchange happening, but sometimes it's just, the place where God is up here at the front. But I just wanna invite you to say, hey, would you pray that I would be able to identify what the step is? Because I really feel like this, these two things are key for us this morning. For us to have resilient faith, God's saying, hey, identify the promise and step, take a step to step into it. So why don't we stand this morning? These guys are gonna dim the lights and just exchange with the Lord for a moment. What, what are the answers to these two questions? Holy Spirit, I thank you for the 
revelation of the story of Abraham and the hall of faith saints who have gone before us, who identified the promise, the big promise, the small promise. I thank you for your revelation that we come to a gathering like this and you beat us here because you're raring to go to build up the saints, to be worshiped for the exchange, the wonderful exchange, the dance that happens between the creation and the creator. And so Father, would you, would you begin to breathe now promises out into our hearts, into our minds? I thank you, Lord, for the revelation of heaven this morning. I thank you that there's some promises in here about physical health. There's some promises that are still there that haven't gone away. Maybe they've been shelved or maybe they've been unknown, but any promise about physical health that hasn't come to fruition yet, would you reveal a step to take in that direction, a step of belief, a step of action, a step of faith? Prayers, Lord, um, that need to happen, declarations that need to be made, decrees that are on the table to be taken hold of. God, I invite the promises of business and job opportunity and promotion and growth, things that have been promised, Lord, things that have come from your heart. We didn't make them up. You brought them to us, Jesus. You said, this is my heart. This is my plan for you. I pray that those things would be revealed right now. Promises of restoration in families. It's been too long that the relationship has been askew and has been broken and has been damaged. And there's a promise of reconciliation. What is the step? God, would you reveal these things to us? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You guys come. Let these guys lay hands on you. Maybe you've got a promise and you've got a step, but you just want somebody to pray for resilient faith to be outputted in a way it's never been outputted before in your life. That would be an appropriate response. Thank you, Jesus.